Well, good morning, everybody. How's it going? Good, kids. So glad you're in here. That was a highlight of my week watching you give that kids message. It was. Didn't he do such a great job? Oh, such a good job. Such a good. You got to do them again, buddy. Got to do it again. So if you're uh, joining us online as well, live streaming, thanks for hanging out with uh, us today, even via the web. Uh, so good to be here with you. If you don't know who I am, my name is John Craw. I get to be the teaching pastor here, and I get to help us kick off our new series called Life is Not a Formula. And I don't know about you, but man, when I was a kid, okay, I'll admit I was a bit of a nerd. Uh, I loved math. Anybody else a math kid? Like, just love math? Oh, I love math. Right? I love math because it just made sense. Right? It was, it was all formulas. It, just, it was so easy. Like, I loved algebra. I loved like, that sort of stuff. Because guess what? A squared plus B squared always equals C squared. I guess that's geometry. I guess that's what that is. But it was always true, right? I love formulas. Partly because, as I admitted a couple weeks ago, if you were here, I, I, I'm a bit of a control freak. I like to control my world. And guess what? Formulas allow me to do that, right? Because as long as I put in the inputs, I'm going to get the output that I'm promised. So a lot of times in our lives, what we do is we look at our lives through kind of this idea of being formulaic, right? So we'll think, well, in order to be a good pastor, right, I need to preach well, I need to love God, I need to love our people, I need to work really hard, right? And then if I do those things, I'll be a good pastor. Or um, if I want to be a good husband, I need to love my wife and help to meet her needs and be a good partner to her. And if I do those things, then I'm a good husband. Or if I want to be financially secure and successful, then I need to save money and not have a lot of debt uh, and be very careful with my spending. And if I do that, then I'll be financially successful. The problem is, is any of you have figured out that life is really not a formula, is it? Right? Because there are times that you can do all the right things and no matter what you do, they don't give you the, the output that you would hope for, right? And there's one, even in our faith life, when we think about it, where um, we love this idea that even our faith life can be a formula. A lot of times, even in our prayer life, and our prayer life, we'll use this formula here, uh, where if we pray enough and we believe enough, then we'll receive what we want. Now, have any of you done that? You prayed hard, you believed in it, but what about times when you didn't get what you had asked for? I've been there, right? But we love it. Even our faith, like we want to put it into a formula, but even that is not a formula. So what I'd ask for you today is as we're kind of talking about why is it that our prayers don't always work the way that we'd hope them to, what I'd like you to do is on your outline, there's actually the question, what prayers aren't working out for you today? What are some things that you're struggling through with God? And I'd like you to actually think about what are some prayers that are on your hearts, some things maybe that you're struggling through, and actually write them down and be very specific about it so that as we talk about this, you can kind of be challenged specifically on what you're dealing with. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I, I still deal with, struggle with this idea that I want life to be a formula, even as being a good pastor, right? I, I've struggled the last two years uh, in this search for a student director, I really have. I mean, it has been a struggle. We've been looking for almost two years, and I've been the leader of the team that's been looking, and we have followed the formula. Let me tell you. Literally, so we're part of a bigger church body, and we have a district, and that's where we get a lot of names from, and I have contacted them so many times that my last email to them, they said, John, we have nobody else to give you, <laughs> right? We have nobody left. We don't know what else to do, and, and man, I just feel so defeated, like such a failure. Man, we've been praying for this and we've been doing all the right stuff. God, why? Why haven't you given us who we've been dreaming of and asking of? 
And, and it's tough because every time that we get a, a request from the kids or one of the students tells me, man, it just stinks. We still don't have a student director. The volunteers, and it just pierces my heart and I feel like a failure because the formula just hasn't worked. So I would ask you to be honest with yourself today. What is it for you that hasn't felt like it's been working? What is a prayer for you that you've been struggling with? And like I said, a lot of times we'll put even our prayer lives into that formula. Can you put that formula back on the screen? Because that formula is honestly something that a lot of churches and pastors will preach. They'll actually preach and teach this. Some of them are called name it and claim it preachers, right? Have you ever heard this kind of preaching, right? If you would just pray hard enough and you just have faith enough, then you will get exactly what you're asking for. And if you don't, then it's your fault because you didn't believe enough. You didn't have enough faith. Yeah, you know what I say about that? Baloney, right? Baloney. Because today, I will tell you, you can point them to the book that we're going to be talking about today and say, yeah, but what about this guy? about this guy? And so here's what I'm going to ask you to do, because here, I never want you to think, I never want you to think this is what I taught on today. So if one day in the future you pull out your outline and you see this, I don't want you to think, oh, that's what he taught us that day. So I need you to take a pen or something and scratch it out. Scratch out that formula off of your paper. Do it. I'm serious. Do it. I don't want anybody to see this and think that's what I preached to you because it's so not true. Because the reality is life is not a formula. Faith is not a simple formula. Our faith walk with our God is not a simple formula. And we see that as we pray and we ask God for things that aren't bad things, right? They're for peace for our family. They're for uh, reconciliation in our relationships. They're for healing and health. They're for financial security for our families. They're for a good job or, or whatever it might be for you. There are so many good things that we pray to our God for. And so often we feel like we're not getting an answer. And what, what I tell you is one thing that God promises us. He does promise to answer us. The problem that we have is sometimes his answer is no or wait. And so a lot of times that's what we're struggling through is those times where he's told us no to a prayer that we think, oh, this must be good, right? This is a good prayer to be asking for. Because honestly, there are things that you're praying for right now that are good things that you're hearing a no on. And I know there are things that we pray for sometimes that aren't good things. Am I right? Okay, come on. You're on the highway and the guy flies past you. you do, you've never done this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, let him get a ticket. <laughs> Anybody? Come on. Uh-huh. You try and justify it. I just want him to slow down and be safe. No, you don't. You want him to suffer, right? And so I, I get it. We're there. So there are some of those prayers that we get it. Okay, we know why you said no, God. But there are a lot of prayers that we, we just don't get it. And God knew that we would kind of struggle through this idea of why is it that he doesn't always answer our prayers the way that we would hope? Why is it that it's not a formula for getting the things that we think are so good? And he, he knew this, that he gave us a book that was written uh, 4,000 years ago. It was written 2000 BC. And it's about a real life guy, a real guy that w lived in history. And we know this uh, because it was written like any other historical book in the Old Testament. It was written in a way that makes us see that this is not some allegorical story. This isn't just something that's just a nice idea. This actually happened. Uh, and uh, we know the timing of it because it talks about things that happened before it, uh, like Noah and the ark, but it doesn't talk about things that happened after it, like Moses and his law. So Moses, when he came down with the Ten Commandments, right, doesn't talk about the Mosaic law. And so it kind of is uh, timed around the time of Abraham, if you've ever heard of him in the Bible, huge figure in, our, uh, uh, in the Judeo-Christian world. But it's kind of around the same time that he would have lived. And here's the thing, God gave us this book because he knew we would struggle with these questions.
And so he gave us the book of Job. And Job is a guy that lived. We know that he lived because he's referenced even by other Old Testament books and other New Testament books. And it's not a story, it's about a guy. It's really a guy that lived and went through a lot. And so it's in your Bibles on page 417. Uh, you're welcome to kind of open that. We're going to kind of hit different pieces through it. If you want to open up uh, on your mobile app, that would be fine too. So the book of Job. The first thing that we'll see is that, you know, so often those preachers that tell us that, you know, you just didn't believe enough, and that's why you didn't get what you wanted, or you're sinning or whatnot. Again, that can happen. But that doesn't mean that's the only reason that you're hearing no for your prayers. And the first thing I want to do is say, you know what, Job, Job is going to go through a lot, and we'll talk about all that he went through. But here's what God says of him before he's allowed to go through all this. If we look at Job 1.8, it's right on that first page. So chapter 1 is the big number, then 8 is the little number at the start of the verse, start of the sentence. It says, and the Lord said to Satan, this is what, this is what God says about Job. Have you considered my servant Job? That there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil? This is what God says of him. He doesn't say, man, he is a terrible guy or he deserves it. Man, I should put him through some things. No, right? So, so often we hold on to this idea that, well, it must be my sin or it must be this happening. And here's going to be a story of a guy who's going to go through a lot. And God says he's a blameless and upright man. I can tell you, God would not say that about me. Not say that about any of you, really. I mean, really, Job. I mean, Job was just that good of a guy. And yet, Job is going to go through a lot. And God provides us with this story. Not so that we get the answer to the question that a lot of times we want. A lot of times the question that we want the answer to is what? Why? Why do we suffer? Why do we not get the prayers answered that we want? Why do good people go through bad things? Right? We hear that question a lot. And I'll challenge you with this. As we kind of talk about Job... There's not a whole lot in here that answers that question for me. And you may go, well, this is going to be a lot of help. But what I'd say is there's a reason God gives us Job, and it's not to answer that question, but instead it's to answer the question, how do you survive suffering? Because this world is messy and messed up. And that's how, and we see it, right? When we see the fact that it doesn't go by formula, it doesn't always work out the way that it should. Even when you're a good husband, it doesn't mean your marriage is going to work. Even when you're a good parent, it doesn't mean that your kids are going to turn out the way that you think. Even when you do your job right, it doesn't mean you get to keep your job. Even when you've done your finances right, it takes one more breakdown of the car to just throw you in turmoil. We see the mess over and over and over again. So our God knew that we'd be going through times like this. So he provides us to say, hey, this is how you're going to get through it. This is how you're going to survive the suffering. And the crux of this really starts right off in chapter one as we look at two different ways of viewing God. One is from Satan's perspective. The other is through Job's perspective. So we're going to see, uh, the next slide please, we're going to see in Job one, chapter, nine, or, uh, chapter one, verses nine through 11. This is right after God says all this nice stuff about Job. And Satan goes to him, yeah, he's, he's a good guy, but does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him in his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land, but stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he'll curse you to your face. Satan's approach to this is, oh, come on, God. Of course, Job is a, a righteous and blameless man. You have given him everything. Everything you've done has just been good for him, right? Of course, he's going to love it, but you, you touch it. You mess up his world a bit and you see what happens. So God says, okay, 
I don't know why. I don't know why God said yes to this. I don't know why God agreed to this, but he did. And he agreed to it and he said, okay. And God allowed Satan to mess up Job's world. And not just mess it up a little bit, but mess it up in a huge way. He lost everything. I mean, back then, your wealth was in your livestock and in your land. He lost all of it. But the greatest thing he lost, he lost his children. They were killed. Job goes through all of this, suffers all of this. And what we see from Job is such a different response than what Satan says, right? Satan says, well, God, you're only good to people because of what you do. And yet Job's answer is this. In the same chapter, in verse 20, it says, Then Job arose, tore his robe, and shaved his head, and fell on the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all this Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. So here Satan is saying, God, you're only worthy of praise because of what you do. And Job is saying, no, God is worthy of praise because of who he is. And that, I would say, church family, is one of the greatest lessons we can learn from Job, is our God is worthy because of who our God is, not just because of what he does. And so often we will hold him to this. Well, God, because you did this for me, because you gave me this, or because you blessed me in this way, or you fixed my life in this way, that's why I worship. And that's when, guess what? When that all falls apart, what happens? We start to blame God. We start to go after him. Well, who are you, God? Where are you in this? Why aren't you fixing this? Why don't you love me like you say you do? But what what is Job? Job loses everything. He says, the Lord gave and the Lord's taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all this, Job didn't sin or charge God with wrong. Man, how often do we quickly get to that? That we charge God with wrong. I know I've been there. God, come on, how did you let this happen to me? How did you let somebody do this to me? How did, how did this happen? And we'll struggle through it. We'll struggle through it. And here's the problem. It didn't stop there for Job. It didn't stop there. See, Satan goes, you know what, God? People are so selfish even if you took all their possessions and their loved ones away, it doesn't matter as much as their own health. So if you would just say, you didn't let me impact Job's health, but if you let me hurt Job personally in his body, if you let me do that, he'll turn away from you. That's how selfish people are. And so what does God do? God lets Satan do it. I don't know why. But Satan, he allows Job to have sores from the crown of his head to the bottoms of his feet. And it's so bad that he's gone through so much that his own wife, his own wife tells him, just curse God and die. Curse God and kill yourself. It's not worth it. This is terrible. I mean, how much more can you go through, Job? His own wife tells him this. And this is what his response is to her. You speak as one of the foolish women would speak. Shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil? And all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Man, Job's responses are just incredible. I, I mean, shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive what we would call evil? The bad things that we think we receive, is, are, is he not good enough to receive whatever it is that we should receive from him? 
Job is challenging us today that if God's going to let us go through this, should we not receive it as we receive all the good things? And yet he still didn't sin. He still didn't go after God. But I'll tell you this, it didn't mean that he wasn't praying. Because maybe you're saying, well, you know what? Maybe Job was just talking to God and getting some answers. So he knew, he knew what was going on behind the scenes. He wasn't. He wasn't hearing a darn thing from God. There was nothing coming back to him. And we see that over and over again in Job. But uh, in, these, in these next set of verses, in Job chapter 6, verses 8 through 11, these are just some of them that I picked out because they seem and they sound so familiar to me. Not only things that I've struggled with, but I've heard from some of you as you've gone through some of the worst of situations. It says, oh, that I might have my request that God would fulfill my hope. Right? He's still praying. God, fulfill my request. And then he goes, it would just please God to just crush me. Right now he changes, he goes, it would just please him to crush me. That he would let loose his hand and just cut me off. Just let me be done. Just take me, God, right? If you ever prayed that, right? If it's going to get any worse, God, just let me die. Just bring me home to be in heaven with you. I've heard this from so many, that this would be my comfort. I would even exalt in pain and spirit. I would go through anything. For I have not denied the words of the Holy One, but this. What is my strength that I should wait? What is my end that I should be patient? I've heard this over and over again as I talk to people going through all different sorts of things. That if I just knew what the end would be, if I just knew the outcome of it, if I just knew the why, or if I even I just knew how long this would be, then I could get through anything. Because at least I know it's going to end. At least I know the pain's going to go away. At least I know that this is going to get fixed somehow. This is Job's prayer to God. This is Job's cry out to his God. But guess what, Job? Job didn't get any answers to his prayers. At least not ones that he was saying. But here's what we get from Job. We get a guy who over and over again cries out to his God. Doesn't hear anything. Still in the midst of his grief, his suffering, his pain. How many of us can put ourselves there? Maybe not to the extreme that he's gone through, but man, in the midst of the grief and the sorrow, sometimes it just feels so overwhelming. And then Job, after being ridiculed and told that he's got no chance, he's just a fool by people that were closest to him, he then says some of the most powerful words in the entire book of Job, at least for me. In Job chapter 13, he says, Though he slay me, though he kill me, though the worst possible thing happened to me on this planet, that I would die, I will hope in him. His prayer, it wasn't, his hope wasn't in his prayers being answered. His hope wasn't in his healing. His hope wasn't in getting his wealth back and everything being restored to him. No, his hope was in him, in God himself, not in what's happening. And so often that's what we can get caught up in. We can get caught up in, well, if my prayers would just be answered, I'll have hope again. If this could just get fixed, I'll have hope again. If my relationship can be restored, I'll have hope again. If my bank account can get under control, I'll have hope again. If my kid would just start listening and stop going after these things of the world, I'll have hope again. If my health just comes back to me, or if my health and my love would just get better, then I'll have hope again. And we keep putting our hope in these things that aren't God. 
And what Job says is, nothing else matters. Though he slay me, if he would even kill me, the worst thing that could happen, I will hope in him. And you know why? Because he means more to you. You need him more than you need anything else. You need him more than you need anything else that would happen in your life. You need him more than anything that you might be praying for. And again, it's not that you're praying for bad things. These are good things. These are good cries of your heart. And here's the thing. God doesn't tell you to stop crying out to him. He doesn't say to stop praying to him. What I love about this, Job continues in this very same verse. Though he slay me, I will hope in him. Yet, I will argue my ways to his face. (laughs) He doesn't stop, right? He doesn't say, you know what? I'm going to hope in him but I'm still going to argue my ways to his face. What I love about that is such a personal connection that God has with Job. Such a personal connection that Job was, I'm still going to argue my ways to his face. You know why? Because you can put your hope in him, and you can put your hope in him because our God is big. Our God is bigger than any problem or any issue you may face. Our God is so big that he can handle whatever problems you're facing. He can carry them, and he can handle any arguments you may have for him. He's got broad enough shoulders. He's a big enough boy. He can handle you even arguing to his face because that's how much our God loves you. Because here's the thing. It is not about the size of your faith that's going to get you through the suffering. It's not about the size of your faith and how sure you are that's going to get you through whatever it is you're going through right now. It is the size of your God that's going to get you to survive your suffering. And so what Job was written for for us for 4,000 years ago, why it still exists today, why it's still a book we can look to for hope and certainty is because it is God reminding us. God reminding us that he is what we need more than anything else. And Job reminds us, even in in the midst of his suffering, Job reminds us the reason that the only thing we need is God is because this world is not what it's all about. Job knows Job knows there's an eternity at stake. And so in Job chapter 19, he says this, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth. At last, at the last, he, my Redeemer, that's Jesus, this is 2,000 years before Jesus was even born. At the last, he will stand upon the earth. I'm not going to. All these things that I'm praying for, all these things that I'm hoping, all these things that I continue to put my hope in and I ask God for, those are not what's going to last. What's going to last is my Redeemer, and He will stand. He will stand, and that's why my hope is in Him and not in what's happening. And Job said these things, and for 37 chapters, Job dealt with suffering and loss, frustrations, and silence. For 37 chapters, Job heard nothing from God. How many of you have been there? 37 chapters that it feels like, God, where are you? What's going on? Why would this happen? You know, in chapter 38, God speaks. God speaks, and you know what he gives as a response to all of Job's prayers, to all of Job's hurt and pain? You know what he says? He says, I'm God and you're not. That's his big answer. (laughs) So if you're looking for the why do bad things happen to good people, here's the thing. Here's the reason why I don't think God ever gives us a solid answer to that. 
is because there are things that have happened in my life that you could tell me any reason and it would never be good enough that I went through what I went through. I will still feel like it was too much. You could have told Job then that, Job, you went through, you lost everything. Your children died, Job. You lost everything. But guess what? For the next four or 5,000 years, people are going to be reading your story, and they're going to be blessed by it. They're going to be encouraged by it. Do you think, what do you think Job would choose? Do you think he'd choose his children or that? He'd take his kids back in a heartbeat. And that's why I don't even know if that's the reason that God allowed this to happen. I don't know. But what I do know is that no matter what's happening in your life, no matter what's happening in your world, no matter what you've been praying for and seeking out God for, my hope and my prayer is this, that you would find hope in Him and not in what's happening. And probably the best way that I understand this is as I look to my two oldest foster sons, they, have, uh, they still have visits with their birth parents. So once a week, they get two hours with their birth mom and dad. And I drive them there, and we have to drive about 45 minutes to get there. It's very close for them. It's about five minutes away. Yeah, that seems fair, right? And we'll get there. We'll make that drive, and we'll get there. And one of the hardest days is when we pull up there, and they can't wait to see them. And the worker comes out and says, I'm sorry, they didn't show. And the only way I can tell you that I can understand at least this somewhat is there is nothing I can do to answer my son and say, here's why you didn't matter to them to come today. Because that's how he feels. My oldest knows he, you can't give him baloney, right? You can't just tell him, oh, well, this is, well, maybe they're stuck in trap. No. He knows they chose. He knows that it, he wasn't worth it to them to make it that day. Something else was more important. And there is nothing I can do, nothing I can say to make that hurt and that pain go away. No ex explanation, no answer to why did this happen that will make my little boy feel better about that. But what I can give him, I can give him me. And he has me to love them, to hold them, to cry with them, to be there for them. So if there's any way for me to understand this idea that even when we struggle, even when we wander the wise and we just need the questions, at the end of the day, what we need more than anything is Him. And our God graciously gives us Himself. So family, hold on to that in the midst of whatever it is you're going through today or what may come down the road tomorrow, hold on to him because he, he is what matters. Let's pray. Father God, you are so good. God, you are so good and you love us in such a powerful way. God, thank you that you love us so much that you give us yourself. God, even right now, we prepare our hearts for communion where we receive your body and your blood, your very self, God, you give to us. And God, we are going to hold on to that. We are going to cling to that because God, this world is messy and this God, this world has no formulas that ever seem to work out right. But God, you are always there. God, right now, we are going to open up our hearts and we're going to cry out to you, God. We ask you to hear 
Not only the prayers that are on our hearts, those things that we continue to bring to you, God. But God, we also want to just confess, to confess those times that we have turned against you, to confess those things that we have done that have opposed your way of life, God. God, right now in this time, hear our hearts, hear our confessions, hear those things that we have done that are against you. thank you for being such a big God. Even when our faith is small and wavering, God, it's still in you. And you are mighty. So mighty that you are able to defeat death itself to forgive us and our sins. I thank you for that. Thank you that we can hold on to you no matter what is happening around us. In Jesus' name, amen.